0: Hello, and welcome to Musical Health, the podcast. As you may be able to tell from my voice, I am not Caitlin. Uh, My name is Stephanie Epstein. I am a pediatric music therapist at Holtz Children's Hospital at Jackson Memorial in Miami, Florida. I am the president of the Ukulele Kids Club, which is a nonprofit that donates ukuleles to pediatric music therapy programs across the country, uh, as well as supports the field of music therapy. And I am a fellow delegate with Caitlin on the AMTA Pediatric Work Group, which is how I know her. So she is off uh, enjoying her wedding and honeymoon and doing all of the amazing things. So she asked me to step in and guest host the podcasts for this month. So I am really, really excited. Today, we are going to talk about the S word. Uh, Probably not the one you're thinking of, but in a lot of cases, it is equally as offensive to many. And that S word is salary. For whatever reason, we are afraid to talk about money and pay rates and hourly rates and salary. I don't know if it's just a music therapist thing. I think just in general, people are really uncomfortable talking about money. And this is really a detriment to us. Because we're not talking about it, we don't know what we should be getting paid. And therefore, we're not fighting for what we should be getting paid and we're getting severely underpaid. I know so many music therapists who have to have secondary and third jobs just to make ends meet, um, which is absolutely ridiculous. There is absolutely no reason why we should not be getting paid a a fair salary um, for the work that we do. Not only are we changing lives, but in so many cases, our work that we do is so mentally taxing and we are really giving so much of ourselves and to not be compensated fairly, um, is really unfair. We, I, you know, I, I, I know that I myself sometimes feel bad asking for more, um, because, you know, we, as a, uh, as a profession are so empathetic and we are so giving and we give so much of ourselves that just, um, you know just asking for more we feel selfish and and uh like we're being greedy and oh we should we we love what we do so we should just be happy to do it and yes that's true we do love what we do but that doesn't mean we should do it for free or we should do it for less than what we deserve and i think we really as a profession we need to get out of that mindset that because we are lucky that we love what we do and we do have what I think are the best jobs, especially in the hospital. That doesn't mean that we do it for free or we do it for less than we deserve. And we need to get out of that mindset as a profession um, and not feel guilty, not feel greedy, and um, and own it. We need to own what we are worth. So that's what today's going to be talking about. Um, I've been lucky enough to be at my position for the last almost seven years. Um, I actually started the program here, and the job code was created when I was doing my graduate clinical rotation here at Holtz, when I was finishing my master's degree at the University of Miami. So they had never had a a pediatric music therapy program here before. They had had some grad students in the past um, and some clinical and practicum students, but never an established program. Um, They actually didn't even have a job code for music therapists. There had been some music therapists in the past elsewhere in the health system, um, but I believe that they were hired under the rec therapist job code. So when the music therapist job code was created here, I they say they did quote unquote market analysis, but I don't know what kind of market they were looking at because the job code was the pay scale was uh, offensively low. I believe that when I started, it was something like $17 an hour, which is just sad, Um, especially when you take into the take into consideration that we are located in Miami, Florida, um, where the cost of living here is so much higher than the rest of the country, and we're going to talk about cost of living um, later on, and why that's important, and how to use that in your uh, when you're negotiating higher pay or when you're negotiating a salary in general. But so when I came in, um, I came in at a step six, and what that means, uh, the way that my health system is, is that we have pay steps. So I believe we had twelve steps in our job code when I came in. And each was, um, you know, a percentage higher than the last. Your first, the first five steps, you moved up one step every year, obviously with a, you know, positive performance review. Um, And then six and up, it was every two years. So I came in, I think at like a step six or seven because I had my, my master's degree, I had a number of years of professional experience and coming in at $17 an hour um, was offensive. (laughs) So while I came in at an okay salary, if we're thinking about attracting people to this position, if we were to grow the program, you can see how difficult that would be and how detrimental that would be. So, um, I believe it was a few years after I came in, we had our first, um, round of union collective bargaining. So another part about my job is that we are part of a professional union. So the SEIU, uh, 1991 professionals union, there's a professionals union, and then there's a nursing union. And, um, so what that means is that we are represented by the union. It, um, and they can they negotiate on our behalf? So I knew that, I mean, and the contracts are up for negotiation every three years. So as soon as the negotiations were coming up, I went to my manager and I said that I wanted to do this. And she of course was supportive because she saw how, um, how underpaid our pay scale was. So I met with the union and, um they agreed with me and we I presented during collective bargaining to the entire management team so as a 20 i was what maybe 25 26 year old at this point maybe 26 27 but still um you know fairly younger uh, especially when you're talking about you know in a major health system and talking to the c suite or the corporate suite um i was i was a youngin and I had only been in my position maybe a, a year or two. I was the only music therapist in the entire health system. And the health system I work in is one of the largest in the country and the largest in the southeast. So um, being one person, I uh, I was intimidated, to say the least. Um, but from that, we got a, I think it was like a two- or a three-step Increase So our step three became the new step one. So a little bit, not great, but a little bit. Fast forward to um, this past year, and we were supposed to have negotiations last year, but of course, you know, 2020 was the mess that we know it was. So collective bargaining was put off for a year, and we are currently in the middle of collective bargaining. They just passed... Our um, our cost of living increase, which was a 2% across the board, which was very nice, not a whole lot, but at least a little bit, and then started the market adjustment presentations. So we were able to present, and we proposed a, a seven-step increase, so our current step seven would become the new step one um thinking that maybe management would give us like three steps if they were feeling really really generous and they actually came back with six steps so our current step 6 will become our new step 1 which is more than we ever thought it would be. So that's about a $10,000 a year increase from our our, right at our step one, which was awesome. And then both my colleague and I will stay on our current pay step, so I'm currently at a step nine, um, but we'll be on the new pay scale. So her and I will both be getting about, when all is said and done, including our cost of living increase, about a $12,0, $13,000 a year salary increase, which is pretty darn awesome. So I want to take some time and I want to talk about why it is so important for us to talk about money and salary and why it's harmful not to and how it can help us. So when we don't talk about it, we don't know what if we're being underpaid. Unfortunately, you know, we kind of assume that, oh, well, this is what we're being paid. So this is what it should be. But in so many cases, this is not true. And if we're not talking about it, there's a few really dangerous things that that can occur. The first is, like I mentioned, we don't know that we're being underpaid. So if we are being paid a certain amount, and then we find out that the music therapist at the hospital next door to us or down the road is being paid, you know, $5 an hour more, that's really significant. And if we don't know that, then we don't, we can't have that information to take back to our managers to be able to fight for more money. And we can use that to our advantage. So by all of us keeping our salary and keeping our pay information so close to our chest and making it a secret, we're not helping each other. And therefore, we're not fighting for higher wages. And as a field, we're all just settling on what management is thinking that we deserve, which in so many cases is so under what we really do deserve. So we're hurting the field as a whole. One win for one of us is a win for all of us, because if I can negotiate a higher pay for myself here at my hospital, and I'm open about that information, then the music therapist down the road can take that information back to their manager and say, hey, just a heads up. The music therapist over at Holtz is being paid this amount of money an hour, um, which is significantly higher than what we are being paid. So that's you know we need to do some market adjustments. We need to look at look at look at the market, see what's happening. Because if I can get my pay higher, then there's no reason why the music therapist down the street shouldn't be able to get their pay higher. Especially when we're talking about um, hospitals in the same region because they're competing. They're always competing. They're always looking at what the other hospitals are doing. So they're going to want to match or be better than the other one. This is one of my big pet peeves when, um, you know, we're talking about it and people are not willing to talk about it and not open to talking about it. Because if we keep it secret, how is that helping anybody? It's just continuating the cycle of us all being underpaid. And it's hurting us not only as clinicians, as people, but it's hurting the field as a whole. And we can raise the entire field up little by little. The other reason why this can be really hurtful, um, not necessarily in the pediatric field, but when we're talking about private practice, let's say that there are two or three private practices in one region, in one area. If one private practice is charging $60 an hour and the other is charging $100 an hour, who do you think that that the client is going to go to. They're probably going to go to the one with the lower rate because we all want, especially if they're paying out of pocket, they, of course, are going to want to save money and not pay as much money. So music therapy, private practices, can be undercutting each other and not even knowing it. Now, hopefully, they're not doing this purposefully to steal clientele and to try to eat up the market share. Let's hope not. But really, you know, they're not being paid what they should be being paid and if music therapists can talk about this and be open with each other a we're not going to be undercutting each other because that's just a it's bad business b it's just kind of a jerk move but c we all again we can all raise ourselves up if one of us wins we all win so if all of the private practices are all charging the same amount that's just better for everyone and it's just raising our entire standard. All right, so let's talk about negotiating higher pay. So this is something that I just did, and I'm in the process of doing with my union for the second time since I've worked here. And I've been having a lot of people message me on social media asking about how I'm doing this, um, what I'm doing, what my presentations look like, what kind of data I'm gathering. Um, So that's why I really wanted to do this podcast, this episode, because I've had a lot of people asking me and... I, you know, I talk a lot about being open and honest with uh, with the S word, salary. So I got to put my money where my mouth is, and then we're going to talk about it. When it comes to negotiating a higher pay, there's a number of things that you, we need to look at. First and foremost, um, I started up with the AMTA Workforce Survey. So this comes out every year, and this is a survey uh, for across the country that looks at our pay rate, our job gain, our job loss... Our titles, what type of population we work with, um, who we answer to, and just um, really a good general overview of the music therapy profession as a whole. So from here, we can break it. Th- you can break it down and look at region, at state, at population, at setting, at education. So this is a good place to start to see where your pay falls within this. This That's a good starting area. But this isn't the only area that we need to look at, because again, this is looking overall. So this is comparing private practice to contract, to subcontractor, to salary, to all the different populations in all the different areas, including public health care, private health care, public pay, private pay, grants, endowments, uh, government jobs such as the VA. So there's a lot of a lot a of, lot of room for for movement within there. Like I said, it's a good place to start, but definitely not where to end. Um, so the other thing that I did was I reached out to other music therapists in my area, especially when we're talking about the cost of living, which we'll get to in a second. So within your county, within your region, and finding out what they're getting paid. Um, even if it's not specifically what they themselves are getting paid, see if you can get at least a starting range for them, like a starting salary or a starting range. I did this specifically in pediatrics. So talking to other pediatric music therapists at pediatric hospitals around my area, but also even up into the Orlando area and even in North Florida. But, um, but then even expanding it further. So looking at related areas. So looking at music therapists in hospice, because that's part of the medical field, music therapists in the general medical field, music therapists in the VA, whether it's adults or pediatrics, it's still within the medical field. So th- this is all relevant information that's really important. So once you've kind of exhausted the music therapists in your area right around you, um, look at music therapists within the population. So I reached out to pediatric music therapists from across the country. Um, so if I reached out to you and you send me information or you engage in a discussion with me, thank you, because that's that's just going to be a huge help for all of us. So talk to the pediatric music therapists around the country in different areas. Find out if they have pay steps, what their raise structure looks like. Is it a yearly thing? Is it based on um, their annual review? Is it a percentage? Is it a flat rate? Find out those things if you can. And then so find out, what their step one is, or find out what their starting rate is, what their offer rate is for maybe a bachelor's level or versus a master's or zero experience versus some experience to give you a good starting spot. And in different types of hospitals too. So maybe in a freestanding pediatric hospital or in a pediatric hospital within an adult hospital or public versus private, you know, keep note of all those things because that's really important and compile that information. I have spreadsheets upon spreadsheets and tables and graphs with all of this information that I was able to bring to to the to our union negotiations and getting hard data. So that was one of the things that when I was working with our our union reps, they told me to do because you can say all of this information. But, you know, unfortunately, when it comes to the people who pay us, really, they care most about the bottom line. So they're going to try to poke holes in your story. And so I can come and say, look, this hospital down the road is starting their music therapist at 25 an hour. And they can say, well, where's the proof of that? Because that's not the our quote unquote market analysis that we have, whether they've done it or not. Asking the music therapist for their pay. I mean, it sounds people and some people were cool with this and some people were not, um, which is totally fine. Um, But asking for pay stubs, obviously blacking out any identifying information. But this was huge when it came to arguing my case, asking for offer letters, recent offer letters that will include their rate of pay. Because you can say, look, this is what people are offering right now for a music therapist that has this type of degree and this many years of experience to show how much you are being underpaid. Now, again, some people are not going to be comfortable with this, and, and I understand, and that's totally fine, but it was huge to be able to show those pay stubs and those offer letters. There were some, there were some jaws that dropped <laughs> in, my, when, in my presentation when I was talking um, during bargaining from the management team because they could not believe how much our pay scale was, was really off. So being able to have as much cold, hard data as you can. So another important thing to consider is the cost of living for your area. And this was really important, especially for me. I'm working in Miami, Florida, which has um, a much higher cost of living than the the national average. I believe our overall cost of living is 14% higher than the national average. And our cost of living is almost 44% higher than the national average. So this became really important when I was comparing our pay scale to other music therapists and other pay stubs that I had received. When, Because if you look at the two amounts, you could say, oh, well, both of these music therapists are getting paid the same amount. They're been in the field approximately the same amount of time. They have approximately the same level of education and training. However, when I then pointed out, well, yes, that may be true. However, this music therapist is living in this city where the cost of living is 2% lower than the national average and their cost of living is 5% lower than the national average, that shows a huge discrepancy because our cost of living, our cost of housing, our just our general overall cost is so much higher and yet we're being paid the same. So our salaries really aren't equal at all. They're, ours is actually quite lower. So being able to point that out was was really important. And all of the cost of living information and housing costs can all be found online. I use NerdWallet. Um, I just basically Googled Miami, Florida cost of living and then uh, Googled other cities' cost of living and housing costs of different salaries that I had gotten from other music therapists. Another thing to really think about when you're negotiating salary and negotiating pay is aim high. 9 times out of 10, we're not being paid what we deserve. And I I was reading an article the other day and said that women are much less likely to ask for higher pay than men, sorry guys. And those in in helping type fields are also not as likely to ask for higher pay. You know, we're helpers in nature, we're empathetic, we want to help others and we have this this guilt, I think I t- t- said earlier that, you know, we're doing what we love. So, you know, the pay shouldn't, quote unquote, shouldn't be as important, but, you know, we still have to survive too. For female music therapists, this, of course, is a double whammy because we really don't feel as comfortable asking for more pay. So, aim high because, you know, realistically, you're probably not going to get it. But, More often than not, you will get more than you were initially thinking of asking about. The worst, I always say, the worst they can say is no. And they come back with a counter. And usually that counter is going to be higher than what you were aiming for. So if you're thinking about asking, we'll just use some round numbers here. If you're thinking about asking for five, ask for 10. Because realistically, they may come back with seven or seven and a half. And that's higher than five. So what have you got to lose? Now, while you're aiming high, you do have to be realistic. And this comes down to, again, what we talked about, the type of setting you're in and the city that you're in. If you're in a larger city, again, that cost of living is higher. You need to know that because then you can ask for more money. If you're working in more of a suburban setting, um, a more rural setting, and the cost of living is much, much lower than the national average, then you may not have as much of an argument to ask for Um, You know what music therapists are being paid in a large city a few hours away from you So you do have to be realistic when it comes to that One of the last things I want to talk about is considering the other benefits that come With the work environment and the work environment as well Obviously thinking about benefits is really important And when I say benefits. I don't just mean medical benefits, although that is a big part of it. So is this company offering medical, dental, vision, uh, vision benefits, uh, mental health benefits? Are they offering a stipend for these budget for these benefits? If they're not offering them, so those are all things to think about, um, especially if you are, you know, not uh, married, so you're not on someone else's benefits. If you are. Um, older than the age of 26, so you're not going to be on your parents' benefits anymore, obviously that's really important because paying benefits out of pocket in our country, unfortunately, gets really expensive if you are paying out of pocket in the marketplace. Um, And also thinking about other benefits such as paid time off, vacation time, sick time, family leave... All of those things are really important too, because if you uh, do not have any benefits, if you are out sick, you're not getting paid. You don't have that paid time, that sick time. If you want to take a vacation, you're not getting paid. So those are all things to think about that are important. When you're looking at salary and you're looking at the rates, um, usually... A position that has benefits will have a lower hourly rate than those positions that do not, and that's because that company is factoring in the benefits package. And now, benefits packages can range anywhere from about 25 to 30 percent of more over the salary. So, if you're talking about a $50,000 a year job, you need to factor in about you know 10 fifth. $14,000 $14,000 in benefits. So if you're looking at two positions and one is benefited at $50,000 and one is non benefited at, you know, $62,000, $65,000 a year, when you factor in that benefits cost, they're actually pretty equal pay when you, when you think about it. You also need to factor in that if you're looking at um, you know positions that are contracted, or you are an ind- or and you're an, or and or you're an independent contractor. Most likely that rate of pay, um, you're being paid that upfront. So you need to also factor in tax season, so that you don't get hit with a huge tax bill when it comes to filing your taxes. So you know there's pros and cons to both, obviously. Also thinking about the work environment. So that's something that I've always said about you know here where I work that. You know, in the past, the pay has not been great. However, the environment that I work in is just unparalleled. The team that I work with is insanely supportive. My colleagues are incredible. The, the medical staff and the nursing staff are amazing. The other therapies that I work with are incredible. And everyone in our administration is really, really supportive of music therapy. So we are utilized um, in a very appropriate way here in the hospital. We're constantly getting referrals and orders. We co treat all the time. We're utilized in procedural support. We're part of the interdisciplinary burn team, as well as a pediatric palliative care team and neonatal palliative care team. So the work environment is is really, really, really supportive. So that definitely does help a lot. Obviously not exact not doesn't exactly help in my wallet or in my bank account, but it helps in a lot of other ways. Also thinking about opportunities for advancement. Are there opportunities for you to move ahead? Is there a clinical ladder? Is there are there lead designations? Are you able to potentially be a practicum or internship supervisor if that's something that you're in that you're interested in? What are the different opportunities? Are is there are there opportunities for leadership to present at conferences and or during interdisciplinary rounds? What what do those opportunities look like? Are there opportunities for collaboration with other disciplines? Is there are there opportunities for research? If that's something that you're in, interested in as well, um, because you could be in a job that uh, you know is paying you a lot of money, but there's no opportunity to move forward in your own career, in your own profession, and in your own professional development and your own goals. And whether that's something that you're interested in or not, those are important things to consider. Uh, another thing to think about is the our types of reimbursement. So our, is the company Willing to pay for continuing education? Is there tuition reimbursement for graduate level courses and or continuing education courses? So, because you know those CMTEs will add up. Or if you want to do advanced trainings like NMT or NICU-MT, GIM, SoundBirth, any of those things... Will the company pay for it? Because that's a big thing to consider. As well as other reimbursements, such as your CBMT dues, your AMTA dues, any of those types of conferences that you want to go to. Are they paying for registration or travel? Do they support you going to conferences? Do they support you presenting at at conferences? Um, I'm really lucky that our burn team is very supportive of us submitting for burn conferences. And if we get accepted, they will pay for us to go completely. So they'll pay the registration, they'll pay travel, airfare, hotel, food, everything because they want us there. So these are all other things to think about um, when you're looking at job options. So I hope that some of this information has been helpful for you guys. To kind of wrap it up, You know, just thinking about the importance of talking about it. And if you're not comfortable talking about it, maybe do some self-reflection and see why. Why are you not comfortable sharing this information with your peers? Is it it a bureaucratic thing? Is your supervisor... Or your company not willing to do this? um, Or is it more of a personal thing? So thinking about that, when it comes to negotiating higher pay, making sure that you're looking at the AMTA workforce, you're talking to other music therapists in your area, but also other music therapists around the country um, in the population that you work with and or in related areas. Talking about the cost of living, so making sure that you have that information on hand, getting as much um, hard we'll call it hard evidence as as possible. So this could be uh, recent pay stubs from other music therapists. It could be offer letters. So any of that hard evidence that your administration can't uh, can't argue with. Uh, making sure that you're aiming high, but also being realistic. Thinking about the benefits, the other benefits that come with jobs. So, health insurance, dental insurance, vision insurance, talking about opportunities for advancement, collaboration, research, types of reimbursement for your continuing education, for conferences, for your AMTA, CBMT dues, all of these things go into thinking about if you're getting a job if you're getting a job offer, things you want to look at to compare or if you're trying to negotiate a higher salary or trying to trying to negotiate for better benefits. Um, all of these things are are really important to think about and, and look at. So with that, I will leave you. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and today's episode. If you have any questions, you can email me at any time. My email address will be dropped in the notes. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram at Steph underscore Epstein, S-T-E-P-H underscore E-P-S-T-E-I-N. Have a wonderful day.